0: All right, so we were all in a Iron Collective group together, and Gabe, you you kind of assembled it as one of the first versions of it. But do you guys remember the first time we got together, and Gabe, you were explaining like what we were gonna do together? But of course, people like me, I just I had this context of being in lots of Bible studies, so I'm like, all right, I'm ready, got my Bible, here we go, and then, and you kind of explained how we were gonna do it, and um, it was it was a little bit like funny and shocking. Do you you guys remember that? Oh yeah. Well, I remember thinking, I don't
1: actually know what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You you certainly like fooled us pretty well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fake it till you make it. That's right. Yeah. Well, I remember uh,
2: sitting, I was out on my back deck um, and sitting out there on Zoom call with you guys. And um, you know, I was like, all right, figuring out who these guys are. I've never met them before. And I had a notebook because I was gonna take notes on what we were what everyone was saying so mm-hmm. that I could remember it. And I and you said, uh, hey, if you got a pen and paper, like push it to the side. We're gonna we're gonna actually listen to each <laughs> other and not take notes. And that was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be ah. so ill prepared.
0: <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for people listening, explain like what you told us this was gonna be about. Yeah. So I mean re- really it, this was about like
1: knowing each other, really knowing each other and um, you know we, we, we actually didn't start with like deep story. you know you just really the goal was to really start to relating to each other in terms of like, hey, like how are you doing today? like what's going on with you mm-hmm. um, which sounds like such a benign question, but it's such a such a hard question
0: yeah i mean that's what really tripped me up at first in a good way because i was kind of tired of a lot of the types of groups i had been in and led over the years but they were always there was always so much Mm -hmm. to carry and to do there was homework there was prep there was discussion questions and there was books to read and there's all of this stuff that actually to me felt like a burden then you said well basically all we're going to do every week is talk about the question how are you yeah and i just remember thinking like Okay, well, how is that going to last an entire group? Well, my, yeah, my thought was, uh, well, I'm going
2: to say one word and it's, I'm good, you, you know, which is always uh, yeah. my answer to that question when I get asked it in passing or yeah. at church or, you know, wherever. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's good or it's fine or, you know, living the dream or whatever uh, guys would typically answer. But you told us that's not an acceptable answer.
0: Yeah, we ban the words good, fine. Yeah, they live in the dream, all banned. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it's cool how people engage with it different because I came from like, actually, I'm fine answering that question really long. I usually say too much in answer to that question. But for me, it was like removing the burden of, oh, Bible studies, small groups are this like difficult thing that like consumes, so it's overwhelming. It's a big checklist. And it's like, all we're going to do is talk about that. And to me, I was writing it off at first. And then the more I experienced it, it was like really life-giving and freeing that all we do is talk about that question. Even as the leader, like, there's nothing for you to prep. You've got one question, it's the same every time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, in some ways, the easiest group to to lead in that way.
1: Um, and I, I would encourage, you know, those leading groups or about to lead groups that like, you don't have to have it all figured out. You know, you're really just setting a context for uh, really powerful conversations to happen. And, and it, I think that question is, such a powerful question. Yeah, When you do two things, like one, when uh, you take the time and, and answer it truthfully, which is what we're going to talk a lot about, like how to avoid, I'm fine, I'm good, <laughs> like living on the surface. And how do I really answer that in a truthful way? But the second thing is learning to listen really well. And that's the whole thing is like setting a context for real sharing and real listening to happen, which it's like, let's be honest, like that
0: doesn't happen very much in in our, in our culture. Yeah. So, so why is that question the basis of it? Like fill, fill in a little more there.
1: Yeah. So, and, and we'll get into like all the, the depths of this later in in this series, but essentially as, as people were hiding, you know, we move through life hiding Um, And we're hiding because we're, we're ashamed and we're afraid. And those are really deep themes, but it's, it's true. Like we, we don't think that we're enough. We don't think we have what it takes. I think, especially as guys, like, you know, we're, we don't want to be vulnerable. Um, And so we, we want to project this image that, man, I've got life figured out. And that's how I want to show up in, in my relationships is I've got it together. I've got it figured out, but the problem is it's not true. Um, is that it, internally, none of us have it figured out internally. Like we all are struggling. And, um, the reason this question is so powerful, if you answer it truthfully, and if you're in a group where people can actually listen and respond appropriately, is that we began to un- undo, um, the hiding. And that's the whole invitation. The invitation has come out of hiding and into, um a journey of of real life
0: together and and for some reason that question gets us there yeah yeah you also said this at one point stuck with me that the understanding our smaller stories this question like how are you doing and learning how to answer that and talk about it in a in a better way it helps us to understand and get at our own stories which then in turn helps us to understand god's story better yeah Um, and I, I definitely experienced that in this group for sure. Yeah. That's a great framing, uh, cause it really asking that
1: question is really getting at the most micro version of your story. Like, cause we can say, Steve, tell me your story and we can talk about the events of your life and, you know, this bigger story that you have, but really the question like, Hey, how are you doing today? Like is, is, is an invitation to tell a micro version of your story and confined to today. Like today, what's your story? Uh, what's going on with you? And you're right. Like when we began to really understand the smallest version of our story and understand that we have one, that is the place where we connect with God because he has a story too. And guess what? He's involved in your story today
0: as well. Ron, I'm curious, like if, or how you experience that, given what you said of that whole, like yeah, I, I'm just like I'm good, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that type of like orientation to the question, and then learning how to engage with yeah. it deeper. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'll say for me that was a huge um, just journey. I mean, it it didn't happen overnight, you know, but um, that was so impactful for this from this group was just that journey for me of going, how am I really, and do I even have language to know mm-hmm. that, you know, because I'm so used to just saying I'm fine. Or answering with, uh, you know, this is what's going on at work, or this is what's going on with family with facts. Um, but I was never, um, I didn't really know how to get to, man, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? How, you know, how's God working in my heart right now? I didn't have a language for that. And I think I mentioned that early on was like, I don't even know what these words are. It's like learning a Greek or Hebrew, yeah. <laughs> you know, a foreign language. Um, to begin to put words to what I'm feeling and it takes time. It's still, you know, it's still a process for me. But um, but that's what's been so huge is just beginning to unpack um, more of, of where I am currently um, and what's going on in my life and having language to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was really similar for me. I think throughout the whole experience of answering that question better, I realized how much I stuffed my feelings, and how mm-hmm. much that was a trend, and a learned behavior, and all the things. How much I just stuffed, stuffed, stuffed my feelings, and what I was actually experiencing. Which did now I I see how much that prevented me from understanding who I am, and which prevented me from connecting truly with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, well, and the reality is, like most most of the time, I think you get
2: conditioned early on because you may have shared that with someone and they either tried to fix you or they walked away or they threw it back in your face in some way you know and it wasn't a safe space to yeah. do that and yeah. that's what's beautiful about this these groups that are forming is that's the goal is that it's a safe space where you have um, a small number of guys that that are there for you, that are committed to listening to you, yeah. um, and that you can share. And not every space is like that. And you know, I think that's something that we've each experienced. Is um, we've been burned by that in the past. But the beauty of a group like this is this is the place to to really unpack where you are.
0: Yeah. And just for anyone listening, especially if they're like hesitant about this whole experience, I think something that's cool I've seen for myself and others is you know how in church life, like Christians will, you either think this or say it and you think, well, okay, I would like this kind of connection with God that the Bible seems to talk about and that people seem to preach about, but that's not what I'm experiencing. And I look around, that's not what most other people are experiencing. So what's the disconnect? And then of course we fill it with all these things. Like some people fill it with like certain worship music or experiences that give them like an emotional high, or maybe they fill it with like trying to read more Bible or do more of this or that. And it's like, we try to fill that connection gap to, to finally actually experience God the way it's talked about the way that we think it's supposed to be. And that this for me was the most significant experience of my life of of filling that gap. It's like, Oh, you actually start to experience that connection with God you crave and that we're like quote unquote supposed to have, um, because of that safe space to to experience what's really going on and not just stuff it and fill it with mm-hmm. with a bunch of false <laughs> yeah. supplements so i i would encourage people to lean in if they're like what is this where is this headed um but gabe you're talking about identity and i think it, it'd be good to dive into that a little more yeah, so I think
1: like the the question "How are you?" it's it's the most basic way of 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 asking about like, hey, what's really going on with you, you know, in this in this uh, today in this limited space and time, and it, that question is really tied to the much bigger question is like, who am I? A, a question of of identity because I really my default answer to how how are you is really driven by who I actually think I am. And here's what I mean by that. If I think who I actually am is, is I'm a doer, you know, in other words, like my main value in the world is, is, is by what I do and what I accomplish, which I think, you know, especially for, for guys, since that's the target of, of this series is like, that's our default in our culture is like we, we, we earn value for, for what we do, for what we achieve. And so, at a basic core level, I think our answer like, well, who am I? Well, I'm a, I'm a doer who accomplishes things and creates things and, you know, creates value in, in the world. Um, but you know, I, you can also be what, you know, you know, is that, um, I am what I know. I'm i I'm a knowledgeable person or, you know, I, I possess, um, this knowledge. And so, and so that's who I am. Um, and it's really the most basic question of humanity is, is, is the question of identity. Who am I? And it's the question we're all pursuing. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's what we're getting at with that, that question. Of course, like what we're driving towards is this is the essence of, of the good news. This is what the Christian faith is, is all about, which really I think separates it from all other religions, which is, you know, it's, it's really understanding that who you are, Um, has nothing to do with what you've done, what, you know, um, it has to do with the reality that God loves you and he sees you and he knows you and that that's the source of your identity is your belovedness in him. And so what we're inviting as we sit in groups and, and ask each other, how, how are you? What we're doing is we're setting the stage, uh, to see one another, and to know one another, and that reflects the way that we're seen and known by by God, um, not because of things we've we've done or accomplished, but just just because we are. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that's not something that just happens once and yeah. then you move on.
2: It's right. not something you learn. Yes, because I think you know, as as two pastors sitting here, we would say we we know as much um, as anyone in some of these areas, but it's not a knowledge thing. It's something you have to experience and you have to experience it over and over again. And you have to remind yourself over and over again of where where is my identity? Because it's easy to slip back into these other places, what I do, what I accomplish, what I know, instead of my identity is firmly rooted in Christ.
1: Yeah, Yes,
0: I agree. I think it's one of the most dangerous slippery places you even hear it in the way that we talk because we often in the church talk about like salvation is, yeah, not, not about what you've done. It's about Christ. Cool. All right. Check salvation, prayed this prayer, made this transition. And then from there on forward, it becomes about, yeah, but like, am I keeping up and am I doing every day Mm -hmm. and versus rooting back every day to yeah. Who am I really? Where does that identity come from? It's a subtle, I think for years I thought I had made that shift and realized in this group, no, 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 actually I, I haven't at all. Um, I just know that identity identity thing is a knowledge piece, but in the day to day living, I I'm actually shaping my identity out of what I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's the whole, I think that's the trajectory of Christian discipleship, right? Like that's the real essence of the invitation is to, to, to reimagine your identity. Um, and to your point, Steve, it's not a, you know, it's not a one-time exercise. It's a, it's a process. It's a process. And I think like, that's essentially what the church is supposed to be. Um, not the institution of the church, but the church, I think in the spiritual sense of, you know, Jesus says where two or more gathered there, I am with you, you know? And so the church is the the gathering of God's people and that, like what we're, what we're setting up in these groups is. Is the work of 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 doing the work of the church, which is let's um, together reflect back God's message to each other, right. you know, and I think that's a deep part of what it means to be an image bearer. We'll talk about that more later. Um, that we each reflect the glory of God, um, but reflect it where? Well, primarily reflect it to each other, yeah. and to mm-hmm. go,
0: Steve. Let me remind you of who you really are. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ever since the group, I've been paying attention to language especially in in spiritual settings and what I've noticed is we actually first refer to our identify identity as sinner like you listen to the way people pray and the, what we say we're we're often like oh I'm such a sinner God please forgive me or oh we're all sinners saved by grace and and those though those things are true it's actually I think that maybe the wrong emphasis. Mm-hmm. The emphasis is who are we? Like God has said, we're actually saint, not sinner, mm-hmm. primarily saint. Now, mm-hmm. which gets back to Ron, your point of like rem- being reminded of that every day. Yeah, we we actually constantly remind ourselves when you listen that we're sinners, that that's our primary identity, mm-hmm. and so it actually then kind of wipes away everything Christ did because it's like well, wait, 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 like he did all that. So we wouldn't be primarily sinner anymore, but saint in him, uh, who's still kind of like got this baggage in our life too. So I, I I don't know, I'm curious your thoughts, but I've noticed that in even our language, it's like, we're constantly reminding ourselves of the wrong identity, even in church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wonder if there's something about that Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's not behavior modification, right? Like
1: that's, But you're right. That is, that is the way we approach discipleship, you know, it's like, how do we follow Jesus? Well, it's change your behavior, (laughs) you know? And the problem is that's not the beginning of the journey. Um, Now it's true that like when, when we understand our identity correctly and we begin to live out of that, our behavior does change because like we grow in our capacity to love. And when we grow in our capacity to love, that's that's the, the source of all the behavior that God's looking for, you know, from us. Because it's our it's the way that we live our best life. It comes out of a settled sense of our identity. It's it's when we don't understand who we are and we live out of that that, that that's where we live lives that aren't you know behaviorally congruent um, with God's standard.
0: Huh. Ron, you remember when we were at the fire pit? Um, in our iron collective group and Gabe, you were pretty tired. And at the end of the day, like you start to slip into, I don't know how much energy I have left. So you might not remember this, but I went back to my room and wrote it down because it was what you said, but in this really sticky way, you said, well, the problem is we're lied to. Mm -hmm. And so after we're lied to, we believe that lie Mm -hmm. And when we believe that lie, it shapes the wrong identity, which shapes our behavior. Yeah. And so if we start at the end of that and try to b- modify and manage behavior, we, it doesn't work because we miss all those, what, three or four things that came before it. Yeah. And so you were, I think that's when I started to see what's happening here with this question of who, how are you and who am I? Is like, you were taking us back to that, um, that lie mm-hmm. correcting that lie. So then it. Cascades towards, yes, definitely behavior change, but it doesn't start there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, really. I know, and I think we're going to get into that in later, later episodes. But um, we've believed core lies about who we are, to your point, Steve, you know, um, and, and that goes back to our story, right? Like our in our stories, uh, the way the ways that other people have treated us and the way the things that other people have said to us cause us to believe um or set us up to believe things about ourselves that just simply aren't true and when we each have a very unique um story of, of of our identity uh that's that's broken right that's not that's not true um and you know so just to get really specific like for me um you know it's it's the lie my core lie is that um i don't belong and you know if we had if we had time you know we could go into there's lots of story going back to childhood Mm -hmm. of why i why i believe that like it's deeply rooted again in in story Mm -hmm. um not just words but things that have repeated and happened and then and so you you know if you if you believe that you don't belong then guess how you show up (laughs) in relationships Mm -hmm. um as a as a person who who doesn't believe they, they belong. And then you're just like fighting your way out of that. Yeah. And that leads to all kinds of, of bad behavior because, um, you're, you're not able to actually like love yourself or love other people out of that, that lie. Yeah. Instead, just imagine the difference if I believe like, Hey, that's, that's not true. I'm actually like super loved and that's who I am. Now I have this like capacity, um, to come alongside Ron, Mm -hmm or Steve or other, you know, and, and love well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You use the phrase, uh,
2: to show up fully present and fully alive. Mm-hmm. And I think those, um, those are two distinct phrases, but are yeah. super powerful. Can you unpack that just a little bit? Like, what do those words mean? And yeah. how does that relate to the way we show up in our identity?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, right. That's, um, glad you brought that up, Ron. Cause that's right at the heart of what we're talking about of, you know, when, how do we want to show up as we, as we, as we come to this question, how are you, as we invite others to come to that question. Um, the goal as a leader is, um, is to help people show up fully present fully alive. What does that mean? Um, well showing up present means that like we're, we're in the moment of that question and nowhere else. Um, and that sounds like a really simple thing and it is conceptually very simple. but it's like maybe like one of the hardest it's things hard. ever yeah. <laughs> because we're so distracted. Um, and, you know, there's so many directions that our, our thoughts can take us, that our emotions can, can take us, that our schedules can take us, that, you know, one of the hardest thing, I think, especially for guys in this um, generation, I mean, think about back to our original group in, in COVID is we're all trying to navigate family life, a global pandemic we're trying to hold together careers um relationships we're trying to manage all that and then you're invited to this group it's like hey but for an hour each week like let's just be be present on this zoom call and i would just throw that question back to you guys like
0: what was difficult about being present in that space for you most of the times i dreaded the meeting Oh. And I lo- I was like <laughs> yeah. so excited to do this. Good to know, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because there's my to-do list every day is so long. Yep. And I'm just going to like sit there and talk about feelings for an hour. Oh my gosh. And yet I loved it every time. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally, it was hard to make the space and be committed to it. And yet when I was in there, to your point about current culture, I often struggle with feeling like no one has time for me. That's probably one of the lies I've, mm-hmm. is like, I have a lot of thoughts. I want to talk about something in depth. And yet four times this week, I was hanging out with friends and they asked me a question. I started to respond. And before I could even get through one sentence, they were, had turned around physically and started talking to somebody else. That happened to me four times this week. And I feel that every time I actually Mm -hmm. feel pretty hurt by that. Like, wow, I'm, I'm clearly, you don't care about me at all. Mm -hmm. Why would I even try to answer your question, let alone share my feelings with somebody? And so I think it was refreshing to get into the group and like, no, there's space for you. People right. listen, you can actually like say a full paragraph, no one's cutting you off or turning around and they care and they respond to it. And that's, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, uh, it was It hard to make the space for it, but it was also incredible every time like experiencing it. Yeah, yeah I'll say,
2: I mean, I'd, I'd agree with Steve i don't know i'd say i dreaded it but it definitely (laughs) required (laughs) uh it required sacrifice you know and i think um to be fully present is also sacrifice right like i can show up physically and i can check a box of hey i'm here or hey i'm on zoom you know that's easier oftentimes than actually mentally being present because i'm thinking about my to-do list I'm thinking about, you know, family and dinner or, or kids pickup or whatever it might be that's um that has just happened and that's yeah. about to happen. And to set aside that time, whether it's the afternoon, the evening, the morning, whenever the group's meeting, and actually be present
1: with those guys yeah. um is actually really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the one of the hardest things and and that's true in any relationship. And so in some ways like that group is an invitation to practice what it means to be, um, just good at relationships. Yeah. Um, because you know, if you're in, if you're in a marriage or really any, any relationship, I go to marriage because this is an area I fail in pretty <laughs> regularly still, <laughs> even though I'm like growing in this is, you know, Janet will ask me all the time, like, Hey, where are you? Come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. cause I'm, um, my mind is just all over the place and when she's trying to, you know, really connect with me and engage. Um, And so it is tough. And so that idea of being present and then there's this idea of being fully alive. Like, so, so, so being alive, like the opposite of being alive is obviously death, but a form of death is, is being numb. And, you know, and I think like that's for so many of us, we show up relationally numb. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Well, we've learned to numb out in our stories um that's how we've learned to deal with our pain is is the hiding involves numbing and we all have different mechanisms of 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 doing that but what we're seeking to do in these groups is is b- begin to undo um that and say hey like you don't have to show up numbed out um you can you can show up feeling we're going to talk a lot about why feelings are are so important but to be alive means to feel you know like you hear people talk about that if you've um guys that have have been in a tough life or death situation and wondered if they were going to make it and then you know but when you feel pain it it can actually be an encouragement because you're like i feel and i know i'm alive yeah because i'm feeling and i i think and that was definitely my story is is you know at my lowest point of just really being numb and not being able to feel anything um and we can't experience real life that way because you were made to love and you're made to receive love. Um, and it's the deepest longing of our hearts Yeah, and we're meant to experience that in relationships, but we've forgotten how.
2: Right. It's, and it's dangerous. Yeah. I'll say, you know, it's yeah. dangerous to be vulnerable. I know oh, that word gets thrown man. around a lot in church yeah. circles, but that's the reality is that you, when you do um, open yourself up in that yeah. way, you can get hurt. Uh, deeply and, yeah. and quickly. And I think that's the danger that we've all numbed
0: ourselves to and yeah. shielded ourselves from is that pain. Yeah, yeah. which is why so I think true. these groups are important because it's it's not just a willy-nilly group. It's a place where you learn how how to make it a safe space, how to answer that question well so that it's not as dangerous. And um, I, I know I experienced that too, is realizing, oh, okay, this is a place where you can open up that way versus other places you probably shouldn't. Um, and yeah, it, it did trickle into my marriage. We'll talk about this in other episodes, but for sure, I experienced that, mm-hmm. um, improving our marriage in a lot of ways because yeah, I was also in the numbing out category. So we, a lot of the relationship wasn't fully alive because I wasn't sharing how I was doing where I was at emotionally. It was just about, you know, getting things done together and whatever. So I think we can get into that in other
2: episodes. I would say one of the, um, one of the tools, you know, when we talk about being fully present um, that works really well is actually asking questions. And I think that's an underrated <laughs> tool in our society. Mm-hmm. So often, you know, when someone's sharing something with me or when I'm um, listening to them, I'm thinking about the next thing I'm gonna say. And I'm not actually listening to them. Um, But to ask a question and actually be curious and invite them deeper, maybe a question that they don't even know to ask themselves is actually a really powerful tool. Um, And then to listen to their response, you know, and not just say, oh, okay, that's great. Like, let me let me fix this or let me move on um, past it and share what I want to say. Um, but truly listen to their heart and what they're sharing. So I'm curious for you guys, like how have y'all experienced um, both being curious and active listening in, in your own lives? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things to your point earlier that makes it a safe space and that makes it a place where we can and want to share how we're doing. Um, I mean, I'm a professional coach, so I ask questions for a living. So that wasn't <laughs> new to me but it's interesting. I say that because it was still transformative in this group, even though I do it all day long because there was something different about in the group we're trying to, um, we're trying to actually just be present with how we're doing versus solving a problem. Whereas, you know, in my world, often question asking (laughs) is, is around problem solving. So, uh, so yeah, I, I feel like I experienced a different version of it and I already shared why, how it impacted me was like no it feels like often in my life i i i'm not uh welcome or free to share <laughs> you know you're not listened to um you're rushed everyone's always rushed in today's world like we're used to short clips so give me a short clip mm-hmm. and it felt very freeing and like i mean literally i would just feel this like breath of fresh air that you could Share and you're not rushed and there's no hurry. There's nowhere to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember the first
1: time, uh, you know, being on the receiving end of that with my two, my two friends that invited me to the week at the, at the beach. And, you know, just the radical generosity of somebody saying, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm just going to sit here for as long as you want. And I'm going to keep asking questions And man, just to be present that way for somebody else to be present with you. Mm -hmm. I just remember what that felt like. I just felt so loved and so worthy. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what that says to another person when, when we, so I, I would say for me, it was just being on the receiving end of that and going, that was, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it was how Jesus showed up too, by the way, I think that's like, a thing we miss in the scriptures is like Jesus was a great question asker mm-hmm. and was obviously like super present. So I just yeah. like wanted other people to experience that, yeah. That too, and you know,
2: one of the things that you you asked us to do early on, which I thought you know at the time felt like so elementary, <laughs> was to say thank you mm-hmm. to the person who had just shared, yeah. um, shared their part of their story or their heart or maybe something deep and been really open and instead of there being this lull or silence or <laughs> the uh, silence. man you should you should pray about that um just saying thank you to them yeah. like thanks gabe for sharing that um right. and then you know maybe there's a question or a way that you can relate to them that doesn't make it about you yeah. um, but just reminds
0: them like i'm here with you yeah um,
2: and i'm present with you yeah
0: yeah so practically what are some of those like how how to around being curious and and listening yeah so I think like the word comes to mind for me is posture you know it's a posture of
1: of curiosity and so and it and it goes back to um just the idea that when you come into this group of clearing your calendar I mean just getting really practical like don't and don't schedule things like right before it and right after it. Like don't squeeze it in between. That's actually really crucial right there. Because we all know like what that's what that's like is, you know, you're squeezing something in, you're rushing to get to it, you're rushing to get out of it. What you want to do is create some margin on either side so that you have time to prep and we'll talk later about just some some tools to prep going into it, but also some some time on the on the back end that, you know, if the conversation goes a little bit longer, or just, man, I just, I don't want to be at the last part of it, looking at my watch and going, man, I got to hang up and jump and toggle to this next thing. I think that just that posture, having a generous posture with your time is part of it. I think eliminating noise, you know, especially a lot of these groups happen in digital spaces. And uh, t- to be honest, even when they're in person, it's a digital space because we all have <laughs> phones and tablets and computers and all these um like forms of distraction so i think it's like you know really having uh technology discipline yeah if you're especially if you're on a you know if you're on an online environment like a zoom call or something uh don't have other windows open um turn off your uh, notifications and things like that don't don't think you're getting away with uh texting and sending emails and because guys
0: people can tell yeah right like if you're not if well you're not just present. notice how it feels when you're sharing and someone else is distracted like that i think that's right. a helpful motivation to <laughs> yeah like, to pay, feels tune in yourself yeah
1: so i think those are just really practical ways of having a posture uh and i think it's like a generous relational posture um in there but then like when someone's sharing run is alluding to this concept that we call covering because when someone is sharing something truly vulnerable and and i want to give this image like to me it's because i was a soldier you know it's like what you're doing is inviting guys to come in and take off their armor you know and if you like in combat like that's a dangerous thing right i'm gonna Mm -hmm. take off my body armor it's gonna expose me uh to get shot (laughs) right and it's the same for us is that like we all have armor that we're wearing around that protects us from you know relational assault that we That we face every day and that's real right like we really do face that and so we have these mechanisms that we cover ourselves Mm -hmm. and protect ourselves That like hey i am not gonna be vulnerable and that's how we move through the world but this group is a place where we're saying no take off your body armor put down your weapons (laughs) it's a safe place um but we we want to honor that because when we take off our armor when we're vulnerable when we share real things uh we open ourselves up to shame is that I can just to get real practical. If I share something that's happened to me today, if you say, "Well, Gabe, like, how are you today?" and I share, man, I I just you know just had a blow up with my wife, and I showed up poorly, and all this. In that moment, I'm super vulnerable, and what can fill that that vulnerable space is shame. Mm-hmm. Is that I can then begin to believe that I am deeply flawed. Like, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And the way we cover that in a group is that we respond um, with a simple thank you. Thank you for sharing. We The worst thing we can do is be silent because mm-hmm. because then that shame is going to come in. You feel it filling the void in that moment. Yeah. When there's silence, yeah. Um, and then, you know, we talk about another way to do is we we don't want to like share on top and make the person's sharing our moment <laughs> to share Wait, our so story. So just to be clear, what you're yeah. saying
0: with the covering then is it's like somebody standing outside who does have the body armor and the weapons covering you. So you're safe while you're inside taking it off. It's like that's you would set us up and say, all right, so Steve, when you share Ron, you're going to cover him Mm -hmm. because in a group, sometimes the reality of group dynamics is there's silence just because no one knows if it's their turn to talk or not, or they don't want to jump in and cut someone else off. So it gives you permission, Ron, to like right at the end of my sharing, you jump in and, and you say something, even if it's just, thanks Steve it's like an there's a person who knows it's on them to immediately fill that gap with something good and that's like what you mean by the covering in that moment that's right
1: yeah and the two other things you can do the most basic is what Ron named just thanking the person it sounds cheesy, but it works <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when yeah. you're on the receiving, yes. it always feels awkward when you're the one doing it. Yes. It always feels amazing when you're the one receiving it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> still, um, even after doing it. a bunch. Yeah, yeah. um, but the other two kind of, I guess, tools in your toolbox are, are, uh, to relate to it. So, you know, without over, cause I don't want to like share and make it my moment, but you know, if, if i shared that i you know fighting with my wife and not showing up well if if ron then said something like man i can identify with that because i've been married a long time too and mm-hmm. like that's a regular thing like that that says hey like you're not alone mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge which is a huge deal um and the third thing you can do is is you can talk about how the person sharing um impacts you in a positive way um so i might Ron, you mm-hmm. might say something like, man, when you share the way you struggle in your marriage, that actually gives me a lot of courage because you've been married a lot longer than me. And like the fact that you're still navigating that with intentionality, like just gives me a lot of courage to keep going. Yeah. And so that's, you know, so we cover by um, gratitude. We cover by relating um, and we, we we cover by naming the ways that the person is impacting us. And those are just, like, basic things that work every single time.
2: Yeah. And they work outside of this group, too. You know, they work in your marriage. They work, you know, in other relationships. (laughs) I mean, just active listening and being curious is such... A powerful tool that is so underutilized in our culture and man to think about you know sitting with someone and really listening to them whether or not you're in a group setting is um, just amazing yeah and i'll say for you know for myself and my wife i mean that's been a huge gift Mm -hmm. of just learning these skills and going hey put down the phone ron you know look her in the eye listen to her ask questions as she's
0: sharing um and i mean it's been amazing and you notice how the three things you listed, Gabe, none of them are problem solving or right. um, trying to offer advice. Yes. And what I've noticed, even in the group, when one of us would slip into that, it, it is also shame inducing. Mm-hmm. If I say, Yeah, I mean, my wife got in this big fight yesterday and I handled it really poorly. Mm-hmm. And then you say, Yeah, like, Actually, one of the things that works really well for that, Steve, is da, da, da. even <laughs> though you're trying to be helpful, it induces shame because I'm like, yeah, well, in my head, I'm like, yep, I am a big screw up. <laughs> yeah. You like, should have known that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just want to point that out because that's one of the things you said it at the beginning, Ron, that's easy to slip into is the problem solving or the advice giving that's intentionally what we're trying not to do here. Which is like a practice. It, it's a practicing a new building up a new muscle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and so it can feel awkward or hard at first, but, but yeah, on the receiving end, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which is probably why you had us all experience it, you know? Yeah. Every, every time we met. Yeah, yeah. And you have to do it over and
1: over and over again because it is, cause it's so foreign to us just answering this. Quite, how are you being curious so foreign we just we have to practice it over (laughs) and over and over yeah and it gets less awkward right as 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 you go on Mm -hmm. and you kind of learn how to make it your own
0: yeah cool well just to tee up in the next few episodes of the series we're going to that was one of the tools kind of that question and how to listen uh we'll tee up a few of the other tools that you use in the group the feelings wheel the box talks and the chambers of the heart um and so we'll get into that next